Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Let's bring in Tom Glavin, Hall of Fame pitcher, Braves analyst. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. We've got we got a bunch of stuff we want to talk to you about uh, when it comes to pitchers making changes and adjustments in season because, uh, well, frankly, we've got a whole staff. There, there's a whole staff huh. adjusting stuff right now mm-hmm. uh, on this team, and it's probably not just a Blue Jays thing. But I did want to ask you about the Braves. 20 and 5 in June. Um was there like are are you a believer in maybe there's some sort of world series world series hangover you know that it carries over into the next year cuz i mean i've talked to guys i remember talking to guys in the yankees i've talked to guys who played in the nhl as well and they always talk about you know the hangover isn't always a mental thing the fact is you've played 20 games more than everybody else mm-hmm. to win the thing and you know and then you spend the off season celebrating the fact that you win it and yeah, you're kind of a little tired by the time the season roll the next season rolls around. Do you think there was any of that at work here? I mean, I, I think there is, and then you have to factor in the fact that uh, we got a lockout in the short spring training. Um, you know, and and I think there is uh, something to. I, I don't know that I like calling it a hangover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we could probably come up with a better term than that, but um, I don't think there's any question that there's something to that. Like you said, you. Uh, the fact of the matter is you've played a really long season. Um, a lot of guys uh, are not used to doing that. Um, you know, typically guys will go into the off season and they have a certain routine. They have, a, you know, by this date, I want to start working out. By this date, I want to start throwing. And, and all of that stuff is thrown off and compressed. So, you know, I think for some guys, there is a little bit of a notion of, oh, my God, it's January already, and spring training is six weeks away. And so I think it does sneak up on you. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that definitely plays into it. Um, as you mentioned, guys are tired. It's a long year. Uh, and then you couple that, like I said, with a shortened spring training, and I, and I think you kind of had to miss you for a perfect storm. Um, you know, and the Braves got off to a slow start, but they've definitely righted the ship. Yeah, and the other thing, too, of course, the Braves have had injuries. And, I mean, one thing we know about the Braves, as they showed us last year, they they are a resilient group, and it looks like that resilience is uh, is being tested again, uh, is being tested again early early this year. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Freddie Freeman and, and the, uh, and, and you know, this weekend, the return of Freddie Freeman to Atlanta. And then, of course, subsequently, you know, yesterday, Freddie Freeman announced that he was leaving his agency and, and – you know, Tom, usually when a guy leaves and comes back, that first game back, everybody celebrates his return. He's getting a World Series ring. You, you, I think you kind of hope if you're a fan and if you're a fan of the Dodgers or Braves you and players, frankly, I would think in both teams, Tom, you'd like some closure, I think, because this was a pretty emotional decision at the time it happened. Has... Is there, is there closure to that thing now? And would that concern you if, for example, if you were with the Dodgers, the fact that it just, you know, doesn't seem as if the whole bow was put on Freddie Freeman's career with the Braves? 
it, you know, it's hard. Um, you know, I mean, I go back to my own experience. Um, you know, when I ended up leaving Atlanta and going to the Mets, um, you know, there's a lot of emotion involved. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, when I went back to Atlanta for the first time, I didn't quite get that reception that Freddie got. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it was, uh, it was a little bit, it was a little bit different, uh, you know, to the point where my wife and kids had to leave because it got so bad. But, mm. um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, there's, there's always emotion involved. Um, there's, there's always, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that you ever stop searching for answers as to what happened, why it happened, how you could have done it differently. Um, you then walk a delicate balance of the team that you left and the team that you're on. Um, because, you know, let's face it. I mean, a lot of people don't quite get the emotion of leaving a team like Freddie did or like I did. And while you're happy with where you are currently, there's still a part of you that didn't want to leave, you know, and and that's a delicate balance. And that's a delicate balance to make the fan base of your new team understand. Um, Because inevitably there are going to be people who are going to look at it and say, see, I I knew he didn't want to be here. I know he doesn't want to be here. Um, And and that's not, that's not necessarily true, right? You can still, you can still, I guess, love the organization you left, kind of wonder what happened, um, and know that your intentions were to stay, but at the same time embrace where you are. I mean, I know that happened with me. Um, you know, I, I went through a bit of a phase of, you know, how did I get here? How did this happen? What am I doing? But then I really enjoyed New York, and, and it turned out to be a really good experience. So it's a delicate balance, but, you know, I'm not really sure what happened in Freddie's case. I've, I've, you know, I've certainly not talked to him about it. I've heard several stories as to, you know, whose fault it was and everybody's looking to lay blame, but um, just one of those things, you know, like I said, somebody asked me before that all went down and, and my, my answer was, listen, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you this, the longer it goes on, the more emotional it gets. And when it starts to get emotional for a player, then you got problems. Tom, I want to ask you about making adjustments in season. Now, you you are you're a Hall of Famer, and and that's why you're a Hall of Famer because you could make adjustments quicker than than most pitchers could could make adjustments. There's a couple guys with the Blue Jays and and Jose Kikuchi and and Jose Barrios who need some to make some in season adjustments to to give their team a chance to win. And I want to ask you because you've been on some really good teams. Is there a fine line there between trying to make I don't want to say overhaul something and make yourself that much better? And just giving your team a chance to win because there's expectations around your team. Is that a hard thing to do? And can most pitchers that you've seen, are they capable of doing that in season? You know, yeah, well, listen, yeah, there's, there's a few parts to that, right? First of all, you know, thanks for saying that I was able to make adjustments. I wasn't able to early in my career, mm-hmm. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, you know, as, as time went on and I got more experienced and I understood my mechanics a lot more, um, then I was able to make adjustments. I think that was, that's the thing that I always try to tell guys that I do talk to at the big league level or even kids that I work with. It's, it's listen, whenever I do stuff with you or, or work with you or whatever, we're working on mechanics, and we're working on mechanics not necessarily because something's wrong. Certainly that's part of it. I'd like to see you do something better. But it's more about trying to give a delivery that's efficient that you can repeat. 
and that you can understand. And because the more you can repeat your delivery, the better chance you have of throwing strikes and being a consistent pitcher. And the more you understand your mechanics, the more you're able to be your own pitching coach. And, and, you know, it's like I said, once I got to the point in my career where I was able to really understand my mechanics and I had one or two checkpoints, I could make adjustments. Now, that's not to say that I always could. I mean, there were some days that's human. That's the human nature of the game. There were some days where I was on the mound and I was struggling and I knew what I was doing and I just couldn't fix it. You know, it's just that's the, that's the human element of the game. But the more you understand that, again, it's like I've always said, if, if I – if I had to wait until the bases were loaded and nobody out and my pitching coach is coming out to tell me what I'm doing wrong, I'm already in too much trouble. Hmm. So if I can make adjustments to avoid that, then I'm going to be obviously a better pitcher. So that's first and foremost, understanding your mechanics. But in terms of making adjustments in season and things of that nature, look, it's, it's always a fine line, right? And, and I think for me, one of the things that always helped me throughout my career, again, as I got better, as I got more mature, I've said this over and over again. It's, it's an honest assessment. We get too caught up in the results, right? And, and, and even more so in my day than today's days with, with, with pitchers, you're caught up in winning and losing. If you win, you're doing great. If you lose, you're, you're not doing great. And that's not always the true story, you know? And I think you have to be able to honestly evaluate where you're at because let's face it, I could go out there and pitch a game where I'm giving up rockets all over the place and, and it's just that guy's and I win. Or conversely, I can go out there and pitch a ball game where it's, I'm making pretty good pitches, but there's a blooper here, a blooper there, and then I make a mistake, and you know, and, and you're like, what, what the heck just happened? But it's kind of like a guy who goes 0 for 4 with four line drives, or a guy that goes 4 for 4 with four broken bat singles. You know, which, which is closer to what you want to be? So you have to be honest about it. And I think sometimes guys, when things particularly aren't going well in terms of results, guys really have an urge and I had it too. And you have to fight it. You really have an urge to like, Oh my God, I got to start making all these changes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes you do, but a lot of times it's just a subtle little something that you have to fix. And I would venture to say, again, I know in my case, most of the time it boiled down to command and it boiled down to fastball command. You know, if my fastball command was off, even though I wasn't a power guy, it made my breaking ball and my changeup that much less effective because guys aren't worried about your fastball. Um, and then it gets to command too, where, you know, when we talk about command, everybody always goes to throwing more strikes and that's 100% a part of it. But the other part of it is being able to command an off speed pitch when you're ahead in the count and you're, and you're trying to get a guy to chase. Like your miss has to be the proper miss. Your miss can't be over the heart of the plate. You know, if you're trying to get a guy to chase an 0-2 breaking ball, well, you can't throw it down the middle. Um, so it, it, I think a lot of it goes back to command, and a lot of it has to do with your mechanics and being able to repeat that. But I think sometimes guys look at it and say, oh, my God, I need to change. I need to make wholesale changes, and I need to add a pitch, and I need to do that. And I think sometimes we can overcomplicate things. So that's a long-winded answer sure. to, yeah, you've got to be honest and, and figure out where you're deficient. And a lot of times you're closer than you think you are. Um, but then, you know, yeah, you guys are, are capable of making in-season adjustments. I mean, we all have to do it. It's just being able to recognize what that adjustment is. Tom, Tom as you well know, every baseball player, no matter if you're a pitcher or a position player, hitter, whatever the case is, routine is such a big deal. And I'll be specific when one certain pitcher, it's you say Kikuchi has an issue 
early in games, whether it's that first inning. And for me, that's a routine thing. Did you ever go through where you had to adjust routine to be better early in a game? And was that hard if you did? I was was the poster child for bad first innings. I mean, (laughs) you know, it, it it just was what it was. You know, and it almost became a joke. Um, you know, but listen, I, I did. I tried everything. Um, I tried my normal routine. I tried going out earlier. I tried going out later. I tried everything, you know. And, and I think sometimes, you know, like you say, there is, there is a little bit of bad luck or coincidence to it, you know. And I know in my case, because if I did have a bad you know, if, if I did have a bad inning, it was generally my first inning. Like, I'm sure if I went back and looked at my numbers, my, my ERA in my first inning was probably my worst. So when you get that reputation, okay, well, that's everybody talks about it. So, you know, I could go out there for 10 games in a row and not give up a first inning run. But the next in the 11th game, when I give up three, mm-hmm. inevitably it's going to be the, oh, here he goes again. Mm-hmm. You know, so some of it is a mental thing that, look, as much as we all try to ignore stuff as players, we hear everything. We know what people are saying. We know what's going on. If a guy has a bad, has kind of a history of a bad first inning, I can promise you he's aware of it. And and to be quite honest with you, that's part of the problem. You go out there and you're aware of it. And you go out there trying to avoid that big inning instead of going out there trying to get guys out. You know, so I, I think that for me was a part of trying to be better in those innings. It was inevitably, I just, you know, I, I felt like, when I was changing my routine, I was giving into it. And, and, and when I was changing my routine and giving into it, now mentally I'm taking that out there with me on the mound for the first inning. And I just felt like, you know what, I've got to prepare for the game the same way every single time and then change my mindset when I get on the mound. My mindset on the mound is I'm going out there to get guys out this inning. I'm not going out there to avoid having a big inning. And, and trust me, there's a big difference. You know, it's like guys who go out there to pitch to win and guys who have to pitch not to lose. There's a big difference in that, and it's 99% mental. Yeah, Tom, you're right. Your ERA in the first inning was 458. Your career ERA in the second was 283. So you were right. The, the beauty of the Internet. Hey, listen. Yeah. Listen, man, thanks so much for joining us today. Good stuff. Oh, Be well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care, Tom. All right, you guys take care. I enjoyed it.